0: How you doing, Dad?
2: Okay, I'm looking at you, and you're looking great.
0: Thank you. Is there anything particular you want to comment about what I'm looking like?
2: No, just reminds me of uh, nothing. Someone's having a pillow on his head.
0: A pillow on my head? I would never do such a thing. I know. Not like uh, I would walk around with torn jeans or anything. Wouldn't do anything like that. No, of course not. These are gardening clothes, right?
2: Yes, Yes, they are. Okay,
0: well, we're not gardening now. We are talking Spies and Lies. And let's get into it. Welcome to Spies and Lies, an espionage podcast delving into and analyzing acts of espionage throughout history, tracing the exploits of daring spies, covert operations, assassinations, hacking, secret organizations, and more. Co-hosted by me, Omri Rose, who spent his childhood living undercover thanks to his dear old dad and co-host, Jason, a retired former spymaster of one of the top intelligence agencies in the world. And without further ado... Let's dive into today's episode, the season one finale, our Q&A. Bum, bum, bum. We got here. Hooray. Blow the trumpets. Bum, ba, bum, bum,
2: bum, How you doing? Excited? Yes. Yes, excited. I'm sad and excited. Disappointed? Yes. I that season one is end. coming to an end? Yes. Oh. Yes, I didn't want it to come. Why, were you so having it. fun? Yes, we
0: are. Oh, well, you're assuming
2: I was having fun. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. Oh, okay. You're looking... Very, very funny. It's Having fun, yes. Okay.
0: Well, one must have fun in life. Yes. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth living. Correct. My opinion, anyway.
2: Why Why are you a little uh, sad that it's coming to an end? Because it's just started and we're finished and there's so many things we can talk about.
0: Oh, yes. There definitely are. In fact, that does lead us to a particular question. Uh, and that question was asked by Julia. Thanks for this question. How many more seasons will there be?
2: Well, I hope there'll be more. We're planning to have more. There are a lot of things we want to, a lot of topics we want to discuss still. And from time to time, we'll do specials like we did uh, this week calling you know, current affairs issues. So you never know.
0: Are you recommending for Putin to invade other countries? So we have more topics to talk
2: about. I think that's the wrong question to ask <laughs> me, and I think our viewers would not be happy about that question.
0: No, but China. What about if China invades somewhere? Would that would that be acceptable? If the to penguins
2: in Antarctica start invading Chile, then we can talk about that as well. What and about intelligence- the cats
0: in Cambodia?
2: The cats in Cambodia. Yes. The cats in Cambodia. Let me think. I don't know if I have intelligence about that. I know the dogs are in trouble because they've been running away because they've been hunted. Mm.
0: Well, I guess mm. I should answer fully. We we are planning on having other seasons. I have like over 90 episode ideas already. And of course, we're getting wonderful suggestions from our audience. So thank you for that. We will be launching season two, I hope, sometime later this year, depending on how things progress. What we try to do is record a couple episodes ahead of time so we have kind of a backlog so that we can release them weekly, even if we kind of miss out on our own weekly recording sessions during the season run so that, you know, there's no backlog of waiting between stuff. And, of course, we'll take suggestions and be working those into the season as well.
2: Well, we could say that even in this season, we got suggestions as the season was going along we added a special one accordingly because we thought it was appropriate.
0: Absolutely. That
2: was on the Cold War, if you remember.
0: Yes, yes, of so course. So that was,
2: a, I thought, was a good addition to add to it. And actually, we're looking forward to to the next season.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to, to more. There's yes. a lot of great stuff to cover
2: yes. still. Thank you for the question.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Let's go on
2: to another question.
0: Laor asks, will we do an episode dealing with sabotage, like uh, resistance or partisans of World War II? And what is the most requested topic or episode, if we can reveal it? We had a few of these that are like, if we can talk about them, if you're allowed to say, which is well, I think for we can allow
2: we are allowed to talk about the most listened to, uh, episode, right? What do you think it was from your for, at the moment?
0: Well, technically, the most listened to episode is episode one because that's right. where people start, but I think um, after that is is Casanova. But I think they're asking more about if there's a requested episode for us to cover and a topic for us to cover. And of course, that would be more about details of your own espionage stories and your own stuff, which the firm answer is, no, we will not be covering my father's escapades because um, that's all classified in hush
2: hush. Correct, we won't talk about those. But the uh, the beginning of the question was about sabotage and uh, activities of the Second World War Mm -hmm. And yes, I think we would like to do an episode on these issues, Mm -hmm. but we have to find something that has a lot of merit in it or something we can really talk about it. Because just on a sabotage mission without any intelligence to do it, it's it's maybe like a history lesson, and we're looking at it from the point of view of the intelligence side of things as well. We have, so we have to find yeah. that something that has the right balance to it.
0: We have some great World War II stories that we do want yes. to cover. Yes. Um, in season one, we did talk about uh, partisans and resistance groups through the Virginia Hall episode, and we will cover more of that. And if we find a particular group that carried out a lot of activities that's, um, that has information out there that we can kind of explore and research, then for sure we're, we're definitely interested. And if you have a particular
2: Group or story that you think would be good for us to cover, send it our way, and we'll look at it for season two. Especially if we want to analyze it, and and the story that's known, like we we try to discuss. Like everybody talked about Lincoln's murders, murders, or you've murdered once, but only murdered assassinations. Once. <laughs> but there was a lot to talk about because well, of the things around. Only it.
0: talked about the one that succeeded, not the five others. Correct,
2: but there's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, of course. So even though it's something that's known. We could talk about these things Mm -hmm. because we bring, I hope to bring, you know, some insights to it. That's what we're looking at.
0: Julia also, again, uh, asks another question why did Jason decide to originally go into intelligence and is there any backstory he's allowed to share or is it
2: classified? Of course it's classified, otherwise I wouldn't talk about it.
0: <laughs> otherwise you wouldn't or wouldn't otherwise you would?
2: Because I'm going to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but is it classified? And Then it can't be classified. Now I'll, I'll give you a general answer here because it's a, a, it's a, it's a reasonable good, a good question. Growing up, I wanted to do something that was not just for my own personal interest and to be involved in something that is not just making money or something that I would say is, is for the better good. When you look at it that way, a lot of the people who work in these services don't come to these places, okay, I'm going to go in there and work and make money and then make a, and do something out of it. Yes, you want to get a good income or good salary. You want to have an interesting life. I think that would be the main thing. So I would say that you would then try and look for jobs that will give you that sort of thing. So how do you look for these kind of jobs? From my point of view, or you know people, or you look out for people who are recruiting for organizations that do this kind of work, or these organizations publish in newspapers or internet or other places that are looking for people, and then you apply. So I was lucky that I was they one don't of those.
0: Post it out. They they sometimes do it in in clever ways that you have to read exactly. between the
2: lines. So in my case, I one of the options that I mentioned was available to me, and uh, for some reason, I answered. And you were positioned that- well. And therefore Based I was able, I, you know, I use my own intelligence work. and yes. And to find out that this is exactly what the people were looking for certain things, I could actually, uh, go for the job. And what what is
0: Liam Neeson saying taken? He, he has a certain set of skills and, uh, you had a certain set of skills that I had uh, a certain
2: set of skills that I thought could be useful, but I think it's more about the individual ability or n- wanting to do something that's different. Not always easy, not always rewarding financially for the time you put in it. Doesn't always it's not always easy for the family. And that everybody has to understand. These kind of jobs are not, you know, nine to five jobs. And for the better good. Did and you
0: do you want to talk about what you studied in university? As maybe something that helped prep you?
2: Not necessarily. I <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to study international issues and international relations and uh, your studies also
0: focused on a specific area which helped you later
2: you learn and if <laughs> because you're inclined to go into these kind of things if you're just if you're i'm not going to insult any other profession but there are certain things that if you study them it's obviously you're very focused on very specific things but if you're open to third world and you're open to the world and you're interested to know about international issues and you show interest in it then you're gravitated naturally to this kind of work, and that's why they learn, and that's why they find you there as well. All right, let's move on. Um, I hope it answers the questions. The whole yeah, question,
0: yeah, it, it answers it well enough as okay. best as we can, I suppose. All right, without Z- revealing
2: too much. Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, Zoe asks, out of everyone we've covered, who was the best spy? And she's curious if our answers are going to line up. Should we write them down and like draw them from a hat or something?
2: But how many spies did we deal with, actually? Um,
0: The question becomes more relevant when you think about, are we talking about spies or people in the espionage
2: world? Exactly. There's always, and that will, will, we can discuss that in a further episode. The art of spying is spying and working in an agency or running agents. It's not always the same thing. So everyone is different. But you would say from all the spies we discussed, Casanova was a spy. In the areas uh, he did, he did something undercover, uh, without them knowing what he was, and he was did it for a certain reason.
0: And he was great at it. Yes,
2: um, Virginia Hall was Virginia a spy. Hall was a spy.
0: Though, as uh, we discussed in that episode, maybe you wouldn't want her working in your agency, but you certainly wouldn't want her working against you.
2: Yes, and then you loose cannon. At, okay, uh, we won't go into. Uh, people should listen to that episode it's if great they have She's amazing, Virginia yes. Hall. Yes, I mean, um, was uh, in, in Julius Caesar? We had a spy? No. We had a assassination. One, one, yeah. Well, Did one he work could argue cover? that his
0: friend, who was yeah. you know in the plot, was, no, was okay. So
2: let's so look. So if you save spying, spying, um, we didn't we didn't actually deal with the lives of actual spies, except you would say for for Virginia,
0: Virginia, Matahari,
2: Casanova. Matahari was not a spy. We, well, in, we in, come in to a, that in conclusion. Matahari was Gordievsky. was a, Gordievsky yeah. was a spy. Yeah. Goryevsky, in my opinion, was the… Uh, Miss
0: Fluffy Puss. Uh,
2: the cat that missed the road <laughs> is not a spy. I told you already what. It's a bloody cat. <laughs> no, but looking at it again, I now, now from a serious point of view, I think Goryevsky, from the point of view of the courage that he had to work, mm-hmm. knowing that he, he was in the thick of things and knew exactly what he was doing and still being able to play the game, that was, you know, you, you can't beat that.
0: Yeah. He was an incredible asset. And if I wanted someone behind enemy lines doing stuff, I mean, Virginia Hall would be the person. No, no, no.
2: She was very good as well, but it was certain periods and certain times.
0: Yeah. This is a question for Julian, actually, our wonderful composer from Julia. Uh, Julia asking Julian, how does Julian go about deciding what to compose for the different episodes? And what is his inspiration?
1: Does he have a favorite episode? And that goes to Julian. Hi, Julia. Thanks for your question. I usually start the process by doing a bit of research on the cultural elements uh, that the episode is focused on. So I'll find the types of traditional instruments or the musical scales used in a region or a time period that the uh, episode covers, uh, just to get a sense of where to begin. Uh, For example, I listened to a bunch of 18th century Italian compositions for the Casanova episode. Once I get a feel for the style, I'll start composing something with that in mind, but I'll make sure that it's still somewhat modern-sounding so that it feels interesting to the listener. A big inspiration for me is video game music, uh, especially strategy war-type games like uh, Civilization or Age of Empires. I find it totally fits the world of Spies and Lies. Like video game music i try to create a score that's a solid backdrop to what's happening in the show so balance is crucial for podcast music i don't want to take away from what omri or jason are saying but i want to make sure that it continues sounding interesting so that the audience can enjoy the experience in terms of favorite episodes i have a couple i really enjoyed the virginia hall one just because she was such a badass She displayed so much bravery, even in the face of one of the most feared regimes in history. Musically speaking, I think my favorite episode was probably the Oleg Gordievsky episode. It was a nice challenge trying to convey the anxiety and fear in the intro segment, and I think it turned out quite well.
2: Really, I didn't think he would say that. Why and would it, we're back. Why, why would Julian say that?
0: Well, I have no idea what he said because uh, he's but recording separately. But even if it he said, why would he say?
2: Why did he go for that, not for another? I well, wonder why.
0: I wonder why. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll see when he answers. Unless when I talk to him next time. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Julian. Your music is incredible, and this podcast is so much better off with your contributions to it. You're an amazing friend and an amazing composer.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. A few people have asked, "How did Omri find out his dad was a spy?" Well, I think the first issue with this question is the terminology of "spy." We're we're kind of playing fast and loose with the terminology at the moment. I'll I'll broaden the question to say, "How did Omri find out that his father was working in the field of intelligence or espionage?" That would be the
2: that would be the right question to ask under the circumstances. Or how? When did Omri actually know that his father is not what he thought his father was? Well, that's well, a different question. Well, First of all, his father was his father. That's number one.
0: Look, basically, there were times that in my family, there were certain questions that would be raised internally, not with my father, that were like, some things don't necessarily add up. And so we kind of assumed and guessed what my father was involved in. And when it was officially formally revealed it didn't come as a surprise it was kind of yeah well we kind of guessed that you know so how did I find out it it was formally told to me over a a, a table dinner table one day (laughs) technically is how it was formally found out
2: obviously when Omri was younger it was no point of telling him things that he would just be a burden on him and better for him to know one story than another story it's not that difficult
0: Another common question was, are there differences in approaches between different agencies and individuals from those agencies who come from different cultures, countries, ideologies? And what about the differences between domestic, foreign, and tactical types of intelligence agencies?
2: A uh, very good question, because obviously every country has its own traditions in and, own way and own, its own ways of doing things. It doesn't mean all internal services are the same. And doesn't mean that every internal and external service in the same country are the same. But every country has its own culture. Every country has its own way of doing things.
0: Yeah, like um, Mediterranean cultures have siestas, and that reflects on their approach to life. And that's not to say that intelligence agencies take siestas during the middle of the day, but it, it's certain it, ways of it's doing things.
2: Correct, but as well, a matter of threats. And what threats of the country has. And so every intelligence and security service have different approaches towards it. But then in each country, if you look at it, if it's external and internal services, it's different DNA. It's Mm -hmm. a different way of working. If I were just to give an example, internal services would be more, they're working in their own country um, with the backing of their country with all the documentation of their country, and they're not afraid to do anything in their country. And usually they work not as individuals, but they have a lot of support and groups behind them. Mm -hmm. The external service will work outside their country, usually not always with the support of the foreign country. So therefore there'll be less numbers, less people, and you'll be more alone doing the work. Mm -hmm. So it's a different kind of person that you're looking for. It's not normal to have someone who can work internally and then work externally. It's mm-hmm. a different a different kind of work completely. And Spe- the targets are yeah. different as well.
0: S- speaking of Virginia Hall, for instance, you know, uh, as a perfect example, so go listen to that episode again. You know, when she was in the field, excelled and all this stuff. But then when she was in the office, she had more trouble. Even though, it's Even though same, it was the same service.
2: Correct. But, you know, internal services have a – it's a different kind of work than external services.
0: Yeah. And to just echo what you were saying about the cultures and I guess I said it as well before, you know, if you think about like, let's say, American problem solving on a grander scale and a generalization is America is a very wealthy country. They tend to solve problems with bringing more assets and revenue towards it, right? They have the economic power to solve problems. And so the agency would be more well-financed and solve things more through money, as we've seen in our episodes that we've discussed. And maybe a poorer nation uh, would have to solve problems in a different way. Uh, You know, so consider the cultural identity of a nation and that reflects on how an agency would function. Would you agree?
2: Yes, and and working in your country is always going to be easier or... I would say, not not easier is maybe the wrong word, but you have more potential of succeeding than working in, in outside and therefore the skills you need to make the success work better, a different.
1: Okay. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: um asks when did we decide to make the podcast and how long did it take to come together was there any hesitation to do it
2: hesitation even today if we want to do anything yes uh i think it took us i mean only you can answer this better than i can but i think for, for two years now we've been so uh, yeah two threat. years
0: ago is when i came up with the idea of kind of put it together and i pitched it to you and of course when I pitched it to you you're like are you crazy I just retired and you want to get me killed <laughs> um, so it, you were very hesitant absolutely at first and I was very uncertain as to what the nature of the podcast would look like because you've of course never really discussed anything publicly or been much of a talker <laughs> so to speak uh so yeah two years ago came up with the idea we discussed it back and forth and we decided to test to record a, a proof of concept episode which was uh a julius caesar because of course you didn't want to touch anything modern and that was very safe in the past uh, some of that episode wound up in our final episode we pitched it around we got feedback we saw that there's potential for it and Then we released our show in November. So about a year after initially coming up with the idea, we released the first episode. And um, yeah, that's how it came together.
2: Well, I asked myself, will it be interesting to talk about things that I can't talk about? (laughs) And, uh, And then I think we found a format where we can say a lot without revealing too much. And still make it interesting. And mm-hmm. after the Julius Caesar episode where we really had a lot of things to say. Actually, it was much longer. Our first take was much, it was nearly an, year, an hour and a half, I think. A year and a half? A year and a half. <laughs> a and a half. An yeah. hour and a half. It was an hour and, and a an hour. half. It was an
0: hour and 40 minutes, actually, our first ever recorded session. We weren't in in person at that time. We were recording remotely as well, which immediately we realized was not as great of an idea. Corona, corona. Yeah, that's kind of how everything happened. And Corona was a factor too. You know, looking at things that I could do. I was already involved in the podcast world. I'm a voice actor. I do a lot of voice work. So I was thinking about what kind of podcast would be interesting to work on. And because my father had just retired and we have a good relationship and thought it'd be fun to to work together. How wrong was I? is mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> the man with the pillow on his head. I do not have a pillow on my head. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, I do actually have a pillow on my head. Anyway, <laughs> Laor asks, what are the differences between industrial and government espionage? And I would assume just government espionage just kind of has more resources behind it.
2: Yes, um, I would say that's the same tools. Mm-hmm. But of course, you're working for different reasons. Industrial, you would say it's even governments these days, You know, they want to steal information or they want to know what goes on to help their economies and to have safe time for their own economies or for own factories to make a better product. So that's part of what organizations do. So there's no real difference from that point of view. The difference is, would you say, if it's just for making profit, then it's a different element to it. It's a more of a financial issue of how much resources you're willing to put in as a, as a private company. But if you're, if you're an agency, you're trying to go into finding out what companies do, for the government, then it's one thing if it's an individual who wants to take yep. understand what another company is doing because they need it for their own profits of their company, then I don't think they don't ha- they don't have the tools that a normal com- normal of course they don't have the tools that an agency would have.
0: right they may not have the tools, but I suppose sometimes private organizations might not also have the restrictions or moral qualms in certain aspects.:
2: Well if they want to recruit someone it's possible. it's in uh, plenty of films that you see all around you see it. You know,
0: and it's a big problem. I mean, we yeah. have it today, especially in, in China, for instance. We have a lot of industrial espionage going on or academic espionage as well. And I think through LinkedIn, you know, spies kind of for the academic fields and technological fields. If you're a, working a in problem. a
2: company that the company wants to keep things secret, then there must be another company that wants them. So each side is trying to see what the other one has. And if someone mm. approaches you or, or you want to try and approach him, then, of course, it's uh, alarming. But it's the same techniques and the same uh, way of doing it. You want to understand what the other side has.
0: Yeah. Kim asks, Did Omri ever think about becoming a spy? And does Jason think he would make a good spy? Well, Kim, thank you for the question. No, I did not ever think about becoming a spy. It's not exactly a family business. It's not like a grocer or a banker even who can kind of bring the sun in, I'm um, bringing one under my wing or kind of thing. It's not that kind of thing. And I didn't really ever have an interest in that. For as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be an actor. And that's what I am. I act, I do voice work, I write, I uh, love what I do. So uh, I'm not missing out on being a spy, that's for sure.
2: Omri wanted to perform with a bigger audience in mind. And our profession, we like it with a very small numbers of audiences when we have, uh, we talk to people. Now, is Omri capable of doing the job? If he wanted to, he could. What is it? His passion? No. Will I recommend it to him? You have to be very. You have to have to sacrifice a lot. I was lucky that my that Omri turned out the way he did, but it's not always this happens. Uh, the lifestyle is tough. It's not a normal life. If if well, a lot of things are not normal, but this is really not normal. And uh, would I have encouraged him? If he would have really wanted to go in, I'm sure he would have uh, gone in. Uh, But I think I'm very happy with his choice of career.
0: That's a first. (laughs) (laughs) He could have been a doctor. He could have been a lawyer. But now he's an artist. Uh, Laor asks, once again, uh, we see an evolution of organizational styles throughout history. How would you describe the evolution for intelligence agencies? For example, have they reached a peak or hierarchy and gotten down slightly in their effectiveness?
2: Well, if you look even at the, the last episode we did, the last podcast we did, and that's about uh, going into Ukraine, we discussed that the lack of intelligence is still there. That means that even today, in today's world, you need intelligence and you need good intelligence and you need to find it and it's not always easy to get to it. That means that there's always a need for it. It doesn't mean that it goes away, and it's always the same way. You need to find it, not only by uh, computer hacking, but you need it by personal collection, connections and getting closer to the leaders. As uh, we said in our chapter number one with Sansu, that this is the art. the The art of spying has not changed. Has not changed. The difference, in my opinion, the tools. Yeah, the tools. But the difference, in my opinion, is that today's world, you're flooded with intelligence, you're flooded with knowledge, you're flooded with capability of getting information. The question is what you do with it and how you analyze it, or what's called in in our profession data mining. How do you take all this information and make some sense out of it? And that's the biggest challenge today for the intelligence world. How, How you do things about it, what you do things about it. Now, if you look, you ask about the evolution of intelligence and organizations, Most intelligence in the past, and I'm not talking about 20, 30 years, I'm talking about five or four, five, six years ago, most of the intelligence organizations, most of the intelligence that came in was things that happened in the past, things that they got from agents or things that they were getting from other agencies about issues that these agencies were able to collect through their assets. And then they had to make a decision what they do with them. Do they just put them in their records and say and give information out? or they do something about it. What happened recently or the recent years is that more and more information is coming in about things that are gonna happen in the future. And then as an organization, you have to make a decision, what do you do? Do you do anything about it? Do you stop it? Do you stop a, uh, an ISIS operative moving from one place to another? You see a shipment moving from one place to another. You see an army trying to put people putting together, put together something. Are you seeing something happening and you want to change it? That means you have to act and you have to be able to do things. That has changed the way you look at intelligence. And I think if you, for the question, it's a good, very good question is how are you able to deal with all this information, get the what you need out of it, and then act? That's the challenge for the organizations for the near future.
0: I would pinpoint as well that intelligence agencies have become more technological. There's a lot more data involved, of course. So you need more of the cyber skills like every industry. If we talk about uh, the evolution of organizations, the first ever intelligence networks or organizations, if we go back, we can see it like with Lincoln going to Pinkerton and going, hey, find out – well, Lincoln didn't go to Pinkerton, but the the railway company went to Pinkerton to find out stuff. So an individual with their individual's network gathering information, that eventually becomes more organized into an organization and also like every organization that ever exists or institution – It begins with very strong people with strong ideals and principles that are aligned. And as it grows, it becomes bloated potentially and takes on more and more excess weight sometimes or middle management or things in between and assistance and this and that. And sometimes things get bogged down by bureaucracy and then they have to be trimmed and reassessed every once in a while so that you can get back to the efficiency. So have intelligence agencies gone down? I would say they've morphed and adapted with time and the changes, and some agencies might not be at their peak performance what they once were. Some might be. Some might be better than ever. It depends what stage they're they're in. Each one is its own thing.
2: It depends on the role that the government wants them to play. That too. And, of course, internal services are different than external services. Absolutely. And the role they have to play.
0: Absolutely. Anne asks... What are some common ways a mission could go wrong and how would a spy change their course or plan to adjust to those things? I'm interested in how the reactions or interactions with people can change the course of a mission. Like, can one person react differently than expected and throw off a mission? Expect the unexpected.
2: Exactly. Good question, Ann. The issue here is, is how do you deal and how you prepare yourself for a mission? Part of the art of preparing for a mission is thinking about what might go wrong. What should I do if certain things happen? How should we react to certain uh, situations? Now, most of the times when you're on a mission, and I'm not talking about a mission to, to do something, even go, go to the post office and, and, and deliver a letter. It could be the most important thing you're going to do that day. It's still a mission. It's not just an assassination or something. Okay, the post is closed or you don't have the right money or someone in the queue asks you a question where you're from or, or knows you, you know, all, the, all, the, all of a sudden there's cameras. So all of a sudden I'm asking a simple question like that, even go to the post office, all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's not a simple task. I thought it was much simpler. So you have to ask yourself all these questions before. Now, if you send someone to a mission, And he doesn't want him to be caught and you don't want him to get compromise everything. You have to discuss all these issues. Now, if you already thought about all the issues and they do happen as as you go along, then you solve the problem because he knows how to react. The art is to, for the person that goes on the mission and things happen that are not thought of, how does he react and how does he play out? And the goal here is that whatever he does, he has to take care of himself, first of all, and his safety and security. The mission is important but not the most important thing. So if he understands that the scenario that came up in the mission is that he cannot perform it because of certain things that happen, that's okay. But his set of skills will allow him or hopefully allow him to fulfill the mission using the skills we mentioned that interaction with different people. So each person might interact in a different way, but you have to prepare yourself before it.
0: Right. Look, I mean... If you think about it in um, chess terminology for a moment, and I'm not a chess player, so I might butcher this, but you have a certain set of openers that's kind of been established in the chess world of how you open the chess board and move your pieces. And it kind of follows somewhat of a similar pattern. But at a certain point, if someone does something unexpected and moves a piece in a certain way, Yes, you kind of have the beginnings of how you react to that, but then it gets into so many variables that you can't have planned for everything. So in that sense, in your delivering a letter kind of scenario, I'm sure any agency would have or organization would have planned, okay, what do you do if the post office is closed? These are your options. What do you do if you know the taxi cab doesn't arrive? What do you have to do if there's agents at the door? What do you do if you lose the letter? What do you do? But they probably didn't think about what do you do if the post office is closed and then a spy cat walks down the street and you realize it's a spy cat. You know, there's only a certain number of scenarios you can plan for. So,
2: But you have to train your people well to do the job and you have to trust them.
0: So someone like Virginia Hall in this instance who proved to be quick on her feet in spite of the uh, the one leg would be great in – Adaptability.
2: Did she have a cat? I don't think she had a cat. (laughs) But she had a goat or cow. What was it? They made cheese, didn't Uh,
0: she? Yeah, she had cows at a certain point, right? Because she made her own cheese. That was. I mean, I don't know if they were her cows, but she had access to cows. Yeah. Julia asks Omri, as an actor, do you feel going through this, you've gotten more background for whenever you will play a spy? Does it make you want to audition for more spy roles? Uh, Yeah, of course, it does help to have this exploration into many different stories of espionage and the mindset. It's absolutely given me insight that would be beneficial. Of course, if and when I play a type of spy, I'll have access to the best source of information possible at my fingertips, which would be my father, you know, if he's willing to, to help me in that when the time comes. And so... Yeah, this has been a great help, and I would love to play people in the intelligence world. I think there's a lot of stories in that world that would be great to explore. One thing that my dad and I have discussed in the past is oftentimes stories hold about that world are not exactly accurate. I remember we watched one particular movie, and afterwards I looked over at my father and I was like, so what did you think? And my father said, let them think that's how it's done.
2: <laughs> As long as you bring a receipt, then we're okay. As long
0: as you bring a receipt, that's okay. I haven't seen that in a Bond movie. Well, maybe there was once in a Bond movie that was like, Q, oh, you damaged this, oh gosh. Anyway, another popular question was, what advice would Jason give to spy hopefuls or those looking to get into the business?
2: Why would you want to do that? And the answer should be, because I want to live a certain life that gives adventure is gives me something to do that's not just for me but for a better good and that for king I, and country for queen and country <laughs> and something that will challenge me take me to places around the world so yes that you have to have it in inside of you to and and you have to realize that 's going to be a price you can't be a good spy master or working for the agencies and expect to be home five o'clock and help out in the family every day all the time. There's a price. And usually there's not a lot of people doing your job. It's not a job like there's five or 10 people doing the same job. Usually you're tasked for something and and if it has to be done, there's no one, you look backwards and forwards or under the left and to the right, there's no one else to do it but yourself. That means you're committed and that means you are involved all the time And if and if it means working on weekends or... Eight hours, you want to do it. And in the end of the day, like for me, I always ask myself, did they pay me for doing this? Really? I mean, I'm having so much fun. They actually pay me? Well, you do need the money to exist, but you it has to come from a different place. And that's the secret of working for an organization.
0: Are there any skills that you would say that they should try to attain at a younger age that would help them be more attractive? Yeah, b- to- obedient
2: to their father, that would be a very useful <laughs> thing. Uh, Languages is not a must, but it it's helps. helpful. It's helpful. I think knowledge of the world, uh, curiosi- curiosity about what goes on, trying to understand and and have a, a curious adonis- mind. Curious mind is one good of the things. What, what did you say? Excuse me. A good gu- a good memory. Who? What? What? A good memory. Yes, uh, but that's skills that sometimes you can learn. And of course, to know how to approach and get to these places, because. Not necessarily you can get in. But again, we're talking about a very specific job, and that is working outside running agents or working as a case handler or dealing with people. I'm not talking about working behind a desk with a computer. The today is a fantastic world in the espionage world, but it's a different set of tools that you'll need. Yeah, so I, would I, say I don't know. I can't say more on that aspect.
0: I would say if you don't have a preference in the world of espionage, computers would be... You know where you would want to focus your your yes. expertise on because that's the biggest field at the moment. Yes. For our final question, already? Yes. Alex asks, "What does Jason do now that he's retired? What do you do now that you're retired, aside from bug me all the time?
2: I I I work in the garden. I grow flowers. I pick my fruit. Is that why your jeans are torn? Exactly." <laughs> That's why I look at my nails and I see earth and I say, oh, I'm actually actually doing some real work for a change. I'm actually digging out weeds and eating the fruit of my land. What could be better than that?
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And then you tear a loaf of bread and give it to me and I see the fingernails and I go, "Oi!"
2: <laughs> oh. You should have never taken bread from me. <laughs> Don't offer it to me. <laughs> Take it anyway.
0: Well, what he does is he leaves the old bread out and I come visit. He says, have some bread because I got a great bakery nearby. And I go, oh, exciting. And I take, oh, it's old. Then he just laughs
2: and laughs and laughs.
0: Oh, you've eaten the old bread. (laughs) He, 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 he.
2: I keep it specially for you. (laughs) You won't touch the new bread. It's hidden away somewhere else.
0: Thank you. appreciate
2: that. You're welcome.
0: So kind of you.
2: You never really retire anyway. So uh, there's always uh, something going on.
0: Uh, I seem to recall... I've come and found you playing a few games every once in a while.
2: Computer games is always good to sharpen your mind. And uh, it's By nice. By yetu yetuing as you call it's, it. Yes, yetuing is one thing, but that's not the element. It's, the, the, the main thing is keep your mind going. It, it doesn't make a difference if it's real world or reality world or it's a three-dimension world. As long as your mind is working and is thinking and doing things and planning for the next day, no matter if it's just a game, I find that stimulating and that keeps me going.
0: Anything else you want to say?
2: About retirement? About anything. (laughs) I'm looking forward to uh, season two.
0: As am I. This was Spies and Lies. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep an eye out for season two. Spies and Lies is a Grumpy Golem production with original scoring and mastering by Julian Dussault. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to share with your friends and leave a comment or review wherever you listen from. You can also check out our Facebook page and join the conversation there. If you have any questions or subjects you'd like for my father and I to cover, drop us a message and we'll do our best to get back to you. Also, you can leave us ideas for Season 2. Until next time.